Great. Well, good evening, everyone. Um, it's good to be with you this evening. It is a warm one, so if you feel yourself dropping off, and it's not just because of what I'm saying, there is water on the table over there and water at the back, so do help yourself. Do get up at any point while I'm speaking, like Andy just did, illustrating perfectly what I mean. Please feel free to do that. Um, that's what it's there for. So, um, Ellen's helpfully led us in worship tonight. We've been singing truth about our great God and have been reminded to f that our mind should focus on truth. But I want to just start with some fiction and tell you a story. Sophia was listening to her favorite podcast on Friday evening and liked the sound of one of the recommended films. So she texted Max to see if he was interested. He checked his calendar on his phone to confirm he was free, looked the film up, on the IMDb app and texted back to say, yep, he was in. The film was showing for the first time today and likely to be popular, so Sophia went onto the cinema's website, bought her tickets, tickets and chose her seat, their seats. When they arrived, the attendant scanned the digital code on her phone and while they were waiting for the film to start, they both updated their Facebook status to indicate that they had checked into their local world of cine. Outside afterwards, they were both feeling hungry, and Max had heard um, about this restaurant, but he wasn't quite sure where it was, so he Googled it, and um, Google Maps took them all the way to the door. Into the restaurant, they ordered, and while they waited for the food, they watched quietly, of course, some YouTube clips of an actor that had particularly impressed them in the film. Sophia took a photo of their meals, posted it on Instagram. They ate, paid for their meal using the restaurant's app, and walked home. But by now, Sophia's mum was getting a little bit concerned because it was rather late, so she rang to check where she was. Sophia reassured her. Max said when they got to her door goodbye, plugged in his earbuds and listened to his favorite Spotify channel until he reached home. And by the time he'd got home, everyone else in the family had gone to bed, so he did the same, switched off the house lights with his phone, set the alarm on his phone and promptly went to sleep. The end. <laughs> Missed that one. Moving on. 40 years ago, Sophia and Max couldn't have done 20 of the things that they, that they did in that story. And 10 years ago, they couldn't have done most of them. So this evening, as part of our Summer Culture Watch series, we're going to look at something that has hugely impacted our culture in our generation. And what we've been doing in this series is looking at aspects of our culture and just thinking about them, thinking about how we live, how we think in our modern world, holding these things up and asking ourselves, what do these things tell us about the modern world and the modern mind? And what does the gospel tell us about how we should think about these things? And specifically tonight, as Alan said already, I want us to step back and think about our smartphone world and how it affects how we, link, how we think and how we live. Now, you might not be a smartphone user at all, but I'm guessing that even if you're not, you will have family or friends that are. 
I'm guessing that there are other people who are intense smartphone users, shall we say. Um, you'll be very up to date on um, all of the apps and so on and so forth, and there'll be some people who are somewhere in the middle. So before we go any further, on a scale of naught to 10, where naught is I don't have a smartphone and 10 is me and my smartphone are inseparable, just turn to the people around you and tell them what your score would be, naught to 10. Okay, okay. Right, so um, just, to, just to get a sense of the audience this evening, how many of you here tonight would be a zero? A few, about 10, okay. How many would be in the category of one to three? Uh, a smattering, four or five. How many in the category of four to seven? I'm gonna put myself in that category. And how many, how many in the category of eight to 10? A few. Well done for being honest. Apparently, apparently, um, research into smartphone, smartphone usage indicates that people spend much more time on their phones than they think they do. So if you owned up to being in the eight to 10 category, well done for your honesty. So why should this subject of the smartphone be of interest to us this evening? Well, for me, it boils down to something that Steve Jobs said in way back in 2007. He was introducing the first iPhone. And what he said was this, every once in a while, a revolutionary product comes along that changes everything. Now, those of you who can cast your minds back, to that year, if you were around then, um, what Steve Jobs was trying to do at the time was bring together two things, the phone and a music player, the iPod. And it was revolutionary, but what he had no idea of was exactly how a revolutionary, or what a revolution this would actually begin. And all revolutions have consequences and most of them have unforeseen consequences. And sometimes those uh, unforeseen consequences aren't positive. Now we know that we have issues as a, as a society in our, with smartphones because they're reflected in all, in all sorts of things. So our habits, for example, constantly checking our phones. In our literature, there are loads and loads of books with titles like Digital de Detox or Hooked or How to Break Up with Your Phone. Um, yeah. <laughs> Our language, so uh, Digital de Detox, Smartphone Addiction, Smombi, who knows what Smombi stands for? Not a familiar one. Smombi stands for, is a um, contraction of Smartphone Zombie. So that's the person who's mindlessly strolling, looking at their phone, not really aware of what's going on around them. Um, our infrastructure, so Wi-Fi on trains and buses, why would we need that? And traffic lights in the pavement, designed to stop smombies walking out in front of a bus. First came to Germany, I don't know whether we've got in the UK. And our beliefs, such as the belief that we should always be 
available in case of an emergency. How we managed before the, the smartphone, I've got no idea at all. Um, but there we go. So despite all of the good things about smartphones, and I am in the, the camp of those who would defend the good things about them, um, I find it helps me keep track of my calendar, helps me keep in touch with my kids and loads and loads of other things. So I'm in the smartphones are helpful camp. But they do come with consequences. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And the question I want to ask this evening is, do smartphones add to that fullness of life? Do they take away from that fullness of life? Or are they just neutral? And when I talk about fullness of life this evening, I'm referring to that bit of it which is lived on earth, as opposed to that bit of it which is beyond our earthly life. Jesus, when he spoke of eternal life, I think spoke of it in two senses. One sense was the eternity aspect of it, but primarily I think he was talking about the quality of life. So when Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full, what are the risks to that life of living in a smartphone world? And what I want us to do is just reflect on some of those risks. And one aspect of fullness of life that Jesus brings is freedom. So Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But smartphones can enslave us. Not everyone is a slave to their smartphone, just like not everyone who drinks alcohol is an alcoholic. But the truth remains that smartphones can enslave us. Here are some stats. So according to Ofcom, people in the UK, this is 2018, check their smartphones on average every 12 minutes of the waking day. Spend on average two hours, 28 minutes a day on their smartphones, or about 45 minutes more if they're in the 18 to 24s category. Lots of us look at our phone pretty much first thing in the morning, check our phones pretty much last thing at night. 71% of adults say they never turn off their phone, and 78% say they could not live without it. And there is a reason why we are addicted or attached, whatever word you want to use, to our smartphones. Well, there are a number of reasons, but one of the reasons is that the developers of smartphone apps design them to make us go back to them again and again. That's an intentional feature about the apps that we tend to use. They're designed to provide us constant novelty. And with each bit of novelty, there's a little feel-good factor that comes with it. Oh, look, news from the BBC. Let me check that out. You've got a message waiting. How exciting. Let me check that out. There's a book you might like. Oh, might I? Let me check that out. There's a new post uh, to your favourite social media feed. Oh, I wonder who's posted that, and so on and so forth. And our brains like novelty. Many of the same feel-good brain chemicals and reward loops that drive addictions are also released and activated when we check our phones. So we check them more and more. 
Now, the following clip is, is quite dated now. It's from way back in 2015. Can you believe it? But I don't think the situation has changed that much. So hopefully, the sound is going to come on with this video now. So as I say, that was um, way back in 2015. But I can't imagine things have changed that much. So not everyone is addicted to their smartphone. But um, whether you call it addiction or attachment or wh whatever word you want to use, um, we need to be aware that for some people, this is a genuine risk. Um, and therefore, it must be a risk to us. So we need to be aware of it. So a second aspect of the fullness of life that Jesus invites us into is peace. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. But smartphones can lead to anxiety. There's the anxiety the presenter referred to in, in the, the clip, the um, phone separation anxiety, um, which has got its own name, uh, nomophobia. 2018, the Cambridge Dictionary crowned it as their word of the year. This kind of feeling of insecurity that comes when we are um, separated from our phone. Then there's the fear of missing out. That came out in one of the clips, didn't it? Um, you know, human beings have always suffered from fear of missing out. But smart, with smartphones, uh, or sorry, until smartphones, there was no easy way to find out all the things we were missing out on. Um, but now, you know, what are my friends up to? Is there a party going on that I'm unaware of? Are my friends chatting about something that I'm unaware of? Are they chatting about me? And so on and so forth. And then there's the anxiety that some people feel about how their online presence is perceived by their peers. So in The Happiness Effect, author Donna Freitas writes, the students I interviewed who suffer from insecurity who have anxiety about their social standing, who fret about how they are seen by others, are the ones who are drowning on social media. Social media, things like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the like, aren't specific to smartphones, of course, but it's their easy availability on smartphones that's driving this anxiety. In her book, How to Break Up With Your Phone, Catherine Price says, we don't just care about other people's judgments, we ask for them. We post photos and comments to show others that we're lovable, that we're popular and that we matter, and then we check our phones obsessively to see if other people agree. We want people to hit that like button. We want their approval, and when we don't get that confirmation that we're liked, it makes us anxious. And again, smartphones don't make everyone anxious, but it's a real risk, and we need to be aware of it. So Jesus invites us to be free. Jesus invites us into peace. A third aspect of the fullness of life that Jesus offers is this, to share in the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I wonder if you saw this headline in the Chichester Observer um, 11 days ago. Man strangled Chichester woman in fit of rage after losing a game on his phone. Apparently, Julian and his ex-girlfriend were sitting on the sofa 
Julian lost the game he was playing on his phone. He got angry. His anger upset his partner. And one thing led to another, and he attacked her. Last week, Phil Neville called for a boycott on, by footballers on social media. And it was in response to the angry and racist reactions of fans following a player's penalty miss that weekend. Again, it's more a social media issue than a particular smartphone issue. But in all likelihood, many of those angry reactions were spur-of-the-moment reactions from people carrying mobile phones as opposed to a more measured response from someone sitting at their desk once they'd calmed down. And then there's load rage. Not road rage, you understand, but load rage. This is the anger that our phones are not delivering the content quickly enough. And again, apparently, it's particularly an issue amongst the younger generation. So a study by Chinese phone maker OnePlus suggests that those aged between 16 and 34 are five times more likely to become angry or frustrated over download speeds than older users. So again, not everyone who strikes out in anger, um, so not everyone who's got a smartphone is someone who strikes out in anger um, because they've lost a game or because they can hide behind the anonymity of social media. But as Christians observing our modern world, we need to be aware of these things and to think about them. Well, there's all sorts of other possible risks um, let's just fly through these quickly. So focus and concentration. Tourist walks off Australia pier while checking Facebook. Was another news headline a while ago. Perhaps a more closer risk to home is our ability to concentrate on something as simple as reading a book. There's the risk of substitute experience where we miss out on the wonder of the reality of God's creation, its smells, its sounds, its colors, its textures, its tastes, by substituting it with videos of the same thing. There's the risk to physical health. So again, this was just last week or so, a headline on the BBC, social media use disrupting teen sleep and exercise. Um, from the Lancet Child and Adolescent Health Study. And then there's the risk to our thinking as we graze in the shallows of YouTube clips and news headlines rather than thinking more deeply about subjects. Cal Newport, in his book Digital Minimalism, writes that the compulsive clip cycle is the news equivalent of snacking on Doritos. There are all sorts of things that we could talk about, all sorts of potential risks to the fullness of life that Jesus offers. But I think there's one fundamental issue that underpins all of these. Jesus commands us to worship God alone. It's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only, Jesus said in Matthew 4. And the biggest risk of all, it's the risk that underpins all these other risks, is that smartphones or the things that we do with smartphones, the way that we relate to our smartphones can draw us away from worship to the true God. I'm gonna show you another uh, clip. This time it's a, it's a current one. Many of you will have seen it, I'm sure. Um, 
It's a, an ironic swipe at the developing concerns. Uh, you know, the little bit of a backlash there is against technology at the moment. Um, an ironic swipe by the company 3UK. And they've, they've done this clever advert to encourage you to sign up to their offerings. So if you have seen it, or even if you haven't seen it, just think about it with your critical head on. So what are, what are they trying to get you to do as a result of this video? So uh, it's a really clever video. It's funny. It trivializes some of history's tragedies. So um, Bernie of Rome by Nero, Titanic, Henry VIII's casual attitude to his wives. But what is the point behind it all? What is the point behind that video? Are we phone haters? What it seems to me that they're trying to do is to make us choose one or the other. You're either a phone user or you're a phone hater. But it's this simplistic binary choice of one or the other that just won't do for the thinking Christian. It's not about embracing technology or rejecting technology. It's about rejecting the way our culture encourages us to use technology. Anything that takes the place of God, anything that consumes our time or attention, anything that enslaves us or gives us security becomes for us an idol. As Timothy Keller writes, idols are usually good things turned into ultimate things because we look to them to give us the significance and security that can come only from God. So I think that truth drives us to ask what I think is the all important question. What does my smartphone usage tell me about what matters most to me. Idols of whatever form will shortchange us in the end. Ultimately, idolatry robs us of the fullness of life that Jesus calls us to. Jesus calls us to worship God alone. That's, that's how we enter into the fullness of life. Idolatry turns our eyes away from the true God and to something else. For tonight's purposes, a smartphone, but obviously other idols are available. So has my, has my phone become more to me than just a useful tool to support me in what really matters? I think is the key question. In the context of church meetings that were getting a little out of control, Paul once wrote to uh, the Corinthians that God is not a God of disorder and that everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And on that occasion, his solution to the issues in the church was not one of no use, but one of right use. And I think, well, I'm sure that that is our response, an appropriate response to our smartphone world. It's not to ditch it and not use one, although that's freely available should you choose to do so. But it's right use. 
And I'd like to suggest that the idea of order is helpful to us for two other reasons. Firstly, because it's the opposite of a lack of control that I think is symptomatic um, in so much smartphone use. And secondly, because it lends itself to a really helpful mnemonic, which we're going to use now. So I want you to take you back to Sophia and Max, our two young people. Um, and I want you to imagine that they're two young Christians who want to biblically engage with culture. So they want to live in the modern world, but they want to live as Christians in it. So if they wanted some help to think through what does it mean to be a Christian with a smartphone, then there are five things, if I had sufficient time to prepare, that I would want to suggest to them. And they all come with a letter from the word order. So first of all, and this is how, hopefully, uh, some of you will remember it this evening if you remember nothing else. First of all is to observe. So I've gone backwards there, need to go forwards. To observe. So what I'd be saying to, um, to Max and Sophia is, take some time just to, to notice your smartphone usage and other people's smartphone usage. So when is it that you reach for your phone? Where are you when you reach for your phone? What are you doing? How often are you picking your smartphone up? How long are you spending on it? Are you using it when you're with other people or just on your own? Are you using it while you're doing other things like watching a film, for example? How does it make you feel when you reach for your phone? And how does it make you feel when you put it down again? How does it feel when your phone is out of reach? And there'll be other questions as well. But I'd be encouraging Sophia and Max to just, just observe. Do some fact-finding, non-judgmental, just gather some data. And then secondly, I'd be encouraging them to reflect Jesus was brilliant at this. Jesus saw um, an old widow putting a couple of coins into the temple coffers. He saw a Pharisee praying on the corner. He saw people who regularly made observations about the weather. And from all of those things, he didn't just observe them, he also reflected on them and drew lessons out of them. So the second thing I'd be saying to to Max and Sophia is, having observed, what are your reflections on your behavior? So why did you reach for your phone? Why did you pick it up now? What was it that prompted you to pick it up? Is your behavior compulsive as far as you can tell? Is your social media life your real life? What self are you trying to portray? And is your smartphone usage helping you or hindering you in your spiritual life? And again, there might be more questions, but questions to reflect on the facts that you've gathered as you've, as you've, as you've observed. And obviously in, in this as well, I'd be encouraging Max and Sophia to pray through these things to get some insight. Um, at the same time.
Thirdly, the D. So O, observe, R, reflect, D, determine. Determine the kind of person that you want to be. Determine the person who, under God, you were designed to be. The Bible, in its principles and um, values, in its godly examples, and in other ways, paints a picture of the kind of people that God calls us to be. So reflecting on that as our guide, Max and Sophia, how much time do you want to spend in your phone when you think about the person that God calls you to be? When you think about that, what habits do you want to encourage? What habits do you maybe want to drop? What place is your smartphone going to play in your life? Is it gonna play a major role or a supporting role? What effect do you want your smartphone to have on your thoughts, on your attitudes, on your actions? How is your smartphone usage going to help you as you seek to grow in faith and become more like Christ? Observe, reflect, determine, and then E, evaluate. So when you thought about how you are now and your behaviours now, when you thought about the person that you want to be, that God calls you to be, just think about the gap between those two things, if there is a gap. Reflect on it, evaluate it. And then finally, O-R-D-E-R, react to close the gap. What can you do in response to your thinking about your smartphone usage, your thinking about the person God has called you to be, any inconsistencies that you might have identified and evaluated? What is it you want to do? And at this point, I might point Max and Sophia to resources on the web. I might point them to uh, their local library, um, a couple of books. I've read recently, one is Catherine Price's How to Break Up with Your Phone, which is full of practical things you might do. Um, another one which I think is excellent, Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport, um, who, both of those are non-Christians, as far as I'm aware, uh, there's no reference to faith in their books. But so Cal in particular talks about um, you know, envisioning the kind of person that you want to be and making technology serve rather than enslave. So advise, and then maybe if for you, your smartphone usage is, is close to an addiction, then there are places you can go to for help with that. Um, if you search on our sermons online, um, you'll find, with the word addiction, you'll find uh, three. And there are books out there and other resources um, to help. And there's loads more that can be said. Loads more that can be said. When I, when I started preparing for this subject, initially it was technology. Um, then I thought, no, this is too massive. Then it went to smartphones. And um, I, feel, I, st I still think this is too massive, actually. I'd like to narrow it down again. Um, but I, I was committed by that time, so it's too late. There's, there's loads more that can be said. But as we've said over the course of all of these talks and in the, the Culture, Culture Watch series, the clue is in the title, Culture Watch. 
this is what we as thinking Christians need to do. Just, just to think about the world that we live in. Think about the pressures on us to think and to behave in a certain way and then reflect on, okay, what has the gospel got to say about that? What does Jesus Christ say about how a person ought to live and their priorities and their style of life? And then when we feel the tension between those two things, to do something about it.